Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle Kira. Marler, I, I feel like when we when we do these um, these intros, like I usually will, our producer always says, like, oh, like, give me give me energy, like you know, try and yeah. try and put a you know positive spin, be as you know happy and upbeat as possible. I'm not in that mood right now, and you know what? People people might take this as oh you're blowing this out of proportion, but the Tua injury just kind of has me in a little bit of a funk for a variety of reasons, and I think that that both of us are kind of just like just kind of bummed right now. Yeah, I know. As you from somebody that's from the suburbs of Chicago and 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 kind of new to this whole thing, if you're bummed, it says a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I think like I think that's like the kind of the pulse of how college football is. Uh, as somebody that's grown up around this for <laughs> my whole life, this has been one of the most defeating days of, of college football um, that I've ever watched in my entire life. I think, and that that does. I don't care if that sounds dramatic. I just you know I try to be as like honest and transparent as possible. Yesterday was one of the most upsetting and and difficult days of college football. And it wasn't just the two thing, it was just in general how everything was going. How everything was going for that game was awful. That game was absolutely awful. And it's one of those things where it like I remember looking at Allie at one point and I was tearing up about a lot of stuff and I'll and I'll explain why. But it's like just end it. Just end the game. <laughs> just end the game. Yeah, probably guys are going down. There was, there was, yeah, like Bama, I mean, Bama lost like four starters. Kylan Hill went down, who's like one of our favorite players in the yep. SEC in general, and and it was just one of those things where it was like, God, just get out of there, man! Like get out of there before more kids are, are hurt in this game. But I know, I know, injuries are a part of the game for sure. And to clarify, like, like, and I'll just, I'll say it right off the bat. I'll say it right off the bat because I, I know that there's like people that were making jokes about this, and they had a couple people out in the Facebook group that that said that they were crying about. What happened? I, I cried yesterday for the first time. I haven't cried after an Alabama game since 1997. I was 11 years old in the, the Bama-Auburn game. And I cried yesterday because I had nothing to do with Alabama, had nothing to do with that game or their playoff hopes or not being able to finish out the season strong. But watching that kid and, and, and knowing what he's meant to that university and that school and to think that he might not ever be able to play football again was one of the saddest things I've ever seen in college football. We have a lot to get to today. We're, of course, going to talk about Deep South's oldest rivalry, Georgia being able to fend off Auburn in, in the late comeback. We're going to talk about everything that happened in the SEC in Week 12, and we're going to, we're going to guess some lines, and you know, we're, we're going to have fun. Trust me, don't, don't get yeah. me wrong. But, I mean, we are going to talk about this in the top because this is the big story in college football right now. And, you know, I think watching this play out, I think, you know, initially you you see something like this and Bama fans are so used to seeing Tua go down that maybe at first it doesn't fully register and you're kind of wondering, all right, you know, is this the ankle again? And then everybody's immediate, and my immediate reaction as well was, oh crap, like this is a blowout and like Tua's playing in in this situation that, you know, Bama had this game in hand and that's immediately where your mind is going to go of why is Saban leaving him in the game. And as he's down on the field, the the reporting on this was just kind of weird because at first Todd McShay comes in and he's like, oh, he's got a bloody nose. It's not a lower body injury. And I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way that's right. Because then Molly McGrath comes in, who was doing the the sideline reporting. She's like, yeah, Tua's screaming in pain right now. And when you hear the severity... Yeah, you could see the look on his face of like this is crying. not normal. Yeah, he, he was he was like sobbing into this towel, and 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 admittedly, me and Allie were watching it, and I was and she was like, "Is he crying?" And I was like, "Oh God!" Like, and I'm we're watching the replay. I'm like, "It can't be his ankle. It can't be his ankle because both ankles are in the air. There's not any force that goes into him uh, or on top of him, and he didn't really plant weird or anything like that." It, the whole thing obviously sucked because of just like all of the circumstances, and and I don't think anybody nobody knew right off the bat 
this is a dislocated hip. This might be really a career-ending, career-changing, very severe injury. This isn't a torn think, ACL. For everybody who's no. listening to this and is like, oh my gosh, like you guys are making the biggest deal out of somebody who went down with, with a season-ending injury and like just, just yeah, get over it. Like, the injuries it's happen all the time. Dislocated hip, my initial thought when I first heard that, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, is Bo Jackson. Because yeah. right, that's, that's a different kind of injury that takes a different kind of rehab that we take for granted all the things that we can do in modern science and all this stuff. And I know Bama comes out with the state saying that they expect Tua to make a full recovery. There's no guarantee that we ever see the version of Tua that we've been seeing for the past right. two years. There's no guarantee that we see that moving forward. And I, I think, you know, I, I felt one of the reasons I was so just, like, just, I don't, this, I don't, I don't know the other word to say besides broken on this, is, is that, that when this happened, I, I've, I am one person that has said on this podcast, in last October, I think Tua's soft. This is not that. There's this isn't that between, at all. This is this is not that at all. Like and and you know, this this is totally separate. There's a difference between being like, hey, you know, like I I don't feel 100. I'm worried about the pass rush in my face, and I'm I'm, you know, like doing this and that. I, this is a freak injury that happened, and, and it is it is, you know, I, I think the broadcast, like you said, is weird. Brian Brian Greasy, and I don't care how this sounds, I'll just say it has been one of the most unprofessional. Uh, analysts in college football this entire season, watching other games while this game is going on, making the comments. The comments, you know, and I get that your immediate reaction is to constantly say, well, you know, or to, to your knee jerk reaction is, is something about saving. He shouldn't have been in the game. That part didn't bother me as much from him as some of the other stuff he's done this season. I didn't expect much from this, this broadcast team. I will say that. But to go there immediately and be like, why was he in the game? Let's just remember that, you know, and we're not going to sit here and argue this and that. I, I came to the realization yesterday is that, you know what, maybe I'm just from now on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to default to the fact that Nick Saban knows more than I do about college football and, and about coaching football and all those things. I, I don't I don't think it was necessarily a bad move that he was in or any of that. Like, you kind of see him try, like want to take him out, and then they're going to run the two-minute drill. He, he threw from a clean pocket all day. This is a freak injury that happened. The easy thing to do is to blame him. That's not what the biggest takeaway is. The, the 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 sad the most like the saddest part about this is the fact that this kid has been a uh, this kid is like transcendent football at Alabama. He's been a generate not an even generational. He's been a once in a lifetime player for Alabama. He's the best quarterback to ever come to that program. One of the best to ever come to the SEC. And now you look at how quickly this can go away and how fleeting all this is because of this injury. And it's not just what he did at Bama. It, it's like you said, he may never play football. Or play football the same way ever again, and that is that it truly is one of the saddest things, you know, that I, that I've had to watch from college football. So let's let's back up because you you hit on a lot of great things there, and I think that thank you. If <laughs> if, if there are people who want to sit here and they want to get if they want to listen to a debate about whether or not Saban should have been playing him, yeah. there's a million places you can go find that right now. You want to go on Twitter, that's that's fine. You want to go watch first take, that's fine. You want to go watch get up, I'm sure you can have a fun a fun discussion over there about whether or not Tua should have been playing up 35 to seven in this game late in the first quarter, late in the first half rather of this game. We know that Tua wanted to play. What I don't, I don't know if if this was an injury that happened in part because maybe he was overcompensating for his ankle. I, I have no idea. I'm yeah. not a medical expert. I'm not going to pretend to be one. That's not the takeaway of this. Tua wanted to play in this game, and I think that people, people who are saying that, are also forgetting. 
you know, what if Mac Jones comes in, or what if Mac Jones is playing that whole game and Bama only wins twenty-one to fourteen? As I guarantee to, you, I guarantee you, Saban doesn't get credit for for that. I guarantee you, Saban does not get credit so, for for keeping him out. People use hindsight so much in these things. Yes. I'm not even like I'm not mad at people that look for something for something or somebody to blame because when something catastrophic catastrophic happens in in any phase of life, we always want somebody to blame. We always want something yeah. to blame, and sometimes like. Stuff just happens, man. Stuff just crappy stuff just happens, and we're left to kind of pick up the pieces and figure out how could this have been avoided, you know. And, and that's what a lot of people are trying to do right now. And and I would advise those of you who are still trying to figure out where in the world, you know, why this had to happen and all that stuff. Just like appreciate this kid for for what he did yeah. for this program and understand that these type of players do not come around very often. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Bama quarterback position develops five, 10 years down the road. When we look back on Tua's legacy, somebody who obviously led the greatest comeback, in my opinion, in national championship history in college football and what he yeah. did with second and 26, and somebody who had the highest bar raised of any player in college football before his first start ever. Yep. I mean, ever. And so all the things that you know we were expecting Tua to do in his career after what he did on that play, where we're expecting him to be able to, to win more national championships, we're expecting him to win Heisman trophies. Don't get caught up in the fact that he didn't do that again. Look back at all of the success that he had yeah. and realize that like this stuff just doesn't come around very often. And nope. maybe it's going to take the next two or three Bama quarterbacks coming in for people to realize, like, holy crap, man, this kid made it look so easy, and well, it's not. And I, you saw with Mac Jones going in there, and I, Bama can still beat Auburn, and Bama can still win games uh, with Mac Jones a quarterback. I don't know if they can do that with with him in and all the other injuries that they they had yesterday. But I mean, you know, it, you I think Bama fans in general are very entitled, um, very entitled, very spoiled in general. And you look at the quarterback thing; that's that used that used to be the knock on Bama. There's always got to be something. There's always got to be a critique on everybody. There's they're always like, and listen, and and if if you are listening to this and you're and in the argument about like the, the thing you keep finding yourself coming back to is Saban shouldn't have had him in and that's because Saban doesn't care about his players. I can promise you right now that that's not true. I can just I can just absolutely 1000% promise you that that is not true. And that had nothing to do with this and it's a very soft and weak take to have and and again is not the not the point. Real it's just quick, not the point of what happened. Real quick, can I just say along those same lines of you know like everybody was was looking out for the well-being of Tua after they realized the severity of this and like seeing the yeah. response seeing the response around college football with all the people who, you know, yeah. I mean, players on rival teams. You got players in LSU, players that that were trying to take this guy's head off a week ago. Realized like this is not a normal set of circumstances, and people yeah. want to to make a full recovery because you know I've said this before on this podcast, and I stand by this. You know, like the fact that after the first time, you know, I saw I saw his first career start against Louisville, and I told you afterwards, I'm like, yeah. I think one day I'm going to tell my grandkids that I saw this kid's first career college start, and like looking back, like. Yeah, maybe that's getting ahead of it myself, but like people tuned in to watch this guy play, and I know he's not dead, and people are thinking that we're making like a bigger deal out of this than it is. But he transcended. Oh, did they think that? Oh. He, tra I think he transcended the sport in a different way, and the 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 response that we've seen in the last twenty four hours or two days by the time that people are listening to this kind of shows that. And if there's anybody who believes that, oh yeah, like Saban was just throwing him out there just because he's another yeah. piece. Tool is just not another piece, man. Like he's he's no. not, and Saban thinks about him in a much different way. Yeah, and I think that the the whole and Saban Saban does despite what people think because that's the narrative that's been built, and I think the narrative that kind of went into some of that knee jerk reaction, whether it's fair or unfair, 
is that Saban doesn't care about his players and, you know, the stuff like the running backs, you use them up in college. Like, dude, just that challenge yourself to make an actual educated and, and not, you know, opinion-based take like that, about that. I, I will say the stuff with Tua yesterday, you can see, like, Mac Jones is a four-star quarterback. He's been he's been a good recruit and all that kind of stuff. You can see he's a half second behind, and most quarterbacks are. There's, there's, we're in a weird time now, too, where it's like Trevor Lawrence – is a kid that you look at and it's like that kid. It seems like a generational type player, and 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 like he threw a football rolling out to his left, sixty-two miles an hour. That is outrageous. <laughs> that is out, like, but Tua, they're the same way, and it's it's. I think we've almost gotten kind of spoiled just seeing all this, you know, happen. And and I, I will say that I think you made a good point where we are so used to seeing him go down and come back up, and that everything's gonna be fine. Like I I you know. I, I was looking at it, and I was like, what is happening? Why is he down so hard? Why is he being big-spooned on that awkward cart on the way off? Because he was you didn't realize it's his hip. He's so It was such a delicate, fragile, and, like, like you know, injury. I, I, I just was I, was, I was very upset. Cincinnati didn't cover the spread. I just saw that. I want you to know. I know. Um, My lock of the week did not do well. That was a random place to bring that up, but I, I'm sorry. here for it. That's fine. Um, no, it, just, it, it was one of those things where it, it was... Bama fans, I think, have gotten so used to this whole thing of like, well, we, Jake Coker got us a national title, and, and and Blake Sims got us the playoff, and and all this kind of stuff. This is a guy that, when you look back at some point, and, and I, I, I almost, I'm almost angered to be honest. I'm almost angered that this is what it took to make people realize. And, and, and I know that sounds bad. I'm just, I'm just trying to be as honest and transparent as, as possible. And I'm not mad at anybody specifically. I'm just, I'm just trying to explain how I feel about it because it is one of these things that is. It is so angering. I was asked on the radio on Friday with Chris Gordy. He said, "Do you think this this you know what's to his legacy if he if he loses uh, or doesn't win the national championship?" And I was like, "I, I think it is a, his legacy is kind of like not tarnished, but you know, people. What are the people's what are people's thoughts on him if he doesn't make it back to the playoff and if he if he loses to Clemson and LSU in those last two games and goes to like the Sugar Bowl or something like that?" And I hate that it, it, it took this to kind of make everyone realize how truly impactful and important this kid was. Tua's going to have a place in history, despite the fact that, like, yes, I know, he never won a Heisman Trophy, and there are Bama quarterbacks like A.J. McCarron who won more national championships than he did. But to me, the, the legacy is safe. And, I'm, you know, it's, it's kind of weird looking back that I, I wrote a column on last Tuesday about Tua's legacy because I wrote that with the belief that in the most likely scenario, Bama is not making the playoff. And there's a decent chance that if Tua is, you know, going to the NFL at the time, this is before the injury, that he wouldn't play in a ranked random New Year's Six Bowl game. And that's not to say that that's, that was definitely going to happen, but that's the most likely course of events with the way that these things usually play out. So I wanted to kind of define his legacy. And the more and more you look at the numbers, I mean, the efficiency is just off the charts. I think he's going to finish He's going to finish his career, I think, the most efficient college quarterback of all time in terms of um, yards per attempt, in terms of quarterback rating, I believe. Like, like there's a lot of different things. And there are, I know there are people who are going to say, well, you know, I don't, I don't get it caught up in as much as stats. And they're the same people that look at the NFL and they think that because Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl that he's not like an, an all-time great quarterback. <laughs> and to me, it's It's just, amazing how many uh, experts there are out there, huh? Like, it's, it's, like I'm not an expert, but it's, it's amazing how many people who came out of the woodwork yesterday just chime in with all of their, their just definitive knowledge. It was, that was... <laughs> Tua's going to be so hard to judge, um, and I think we kind of need to keep him. And you, I know you've criticized me for doing this before, but I think it's important okay. when we evaluate quarterbacks and the way that passing has changed in the last, I mean, it's really changed in the last like six, seven years so much. 
And I think it's going to be difficult to judge him uh, like among the great quarterbacks of all time with the same lens of knowing the way that this offense was set up. Yeah. He's obviously more dependent on it. His numbers crush. I mean, if you go back and look up his numbers, which is something that I did, comparing his numbers to A.J. McCarron, who had three years as a starter, two only at two, even comparing to his numbers to Aaron oh. Murray, where Aaron Murray was a four-year starter, and Tua essentially, like, if Tua played another, like, Half a season. Half a season. He'd probably trump Aaron I mean, Murray's so all-time he, he touchdown the, record, the which total, is nuts. The Bama total touchdown record, I think, am I crazy to think it was the number was 69 or something like that? Wasn't it something like, was it like, no, for real. Um, and I'm glad we can kind of laugh about this at this point, but like, it was it was like 78 or something weird or 69? I thought it was like 84. No, I know that's not right. But it was something weird where it was like, uh... Anyway, regardless, like he broke the record and he broke it in October. He broke it at, at like yeah, he broke it a while ago. Or tied it. He tied it. I mean, he might have tied it or broke it when we were in Charlotte. Yeah, he broke it in this September, year. Mm-hmm. which is crazy to think. And they're like, man, his career touchdown record—that's that's nuts. And it was like some. Re- it was like over seventy, like or around seventy at the very least, right? And you look at this and you're like, holy crap! Like this kid was a backup and played in mop-up duty his freshman year. And then he goes and and starts last year, right? And, and I get, get that he played 15 games, but he has those 15 games, and then this is like the first month of the season. And you look at AJ, who it seems like he was there for roughly a decade and started for three straight years, and you're like, oh wow, like I mean, that, it's that is it is crazy. Like, I, I basically say it's like a year and a half. It's like a year and a half they did it. I'm gonna miss watching Tua in college football, and I think that that's. I think a lot of people, I have no rooting interest whatsoever for, for Alabama or for any team specifically, but I, as somebody who, like, I, I had the pleasure of watching him in person four times. You've watched him yeah. probably, what, seven times in person at this point? Yeah, not dreams. <laughs> and I think that there are a lot of people who are going to, who are going to realize that, oh man, like, some of the throws that this guy makes are just just insane. I, I still even yeah. go back to the th- the first touchdown pass that he had against Louisville in that first career start last year, where he's spinning around, spinning around, and somehow he just kind of blindly throws it up to Jerry Judy, and quickly <laughs> you realize, oh, okay, this this cat is is wired differently. And I'm gonna I'm gonna wish I'm gonna yeah. miss seeing that on a on a weekly basis with him because the things that he does weren't normal, and it's gonna take us a couple years in this era of high-powered offenses, and everybody's yeah. talking about, you know, what's new, what's next. It's gonna take us a little bit of time to look back and realize, like, man, this kid just kind of did it differently, and we were, you know, we were spoiled as fans to get to, yeah, to watch him spo- with this group of receivers on a weekly basis. I was spoiled as a fan, and I was spoiled as, a, as an analyst to watch it, or whatever you wanna call me. You refer to um, yourself as an analyst, I love it. Well, they said it the other day on TV, you jerk, but regardless. <laughs> no, you um, point that out every time, that's what I'm no, saying. No, but like, whatever it's supposed to say, like, I just, I I will say I, I am, I, and I, I just, I don't, at this point, don't care how that sounds. It's just like, you know, we, that is, that is, again, I have not, I have not cried or teared up after a game for Alabama since I was 11 years old. And I think yesterday really did just, you know, the totality of the whole situation. And once you finally know what happened, it is, it is a really sad day. And it, it just, it's this sport. And, and I think honestly, <laughs> just, just to get into it, I didn't listen to any Avril yesterday. Okay. Oh man. But but just knowing like the 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 end of the season's coming and it was one of those things where it was like this sucks, man. This whole thing sucks so bad and it, it really did. It it just it really bummed me out. It really really bummed me out. You so. texted me uh, later late last night as Oklahoma was going was was oh, mounting this comeback and you're like if Jalen Hurts leads a comeback and then says something about Tua in the post game, I'm just gonna lose I've- it. I will weep. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just that's the only reason I stand up for. It's one of the most unhealthy things I've done in a while. And to, I want everyone to know this too. I, I I did go out and buy myself some bourbon. I got myself some some uh, hey boy. Four Roses single barrel. 
I, could, I just I never had it. I never had like I had like one glass and I was it. I could, just couldn't do it. Yesterday was a was a tough day all all the way around. It was an interesting day. There were other things that happened throughout. Yeah, the day let's talk in about it. Football. Before we do all of that though, and I promise we're gonna get to all the action in the SEC. Got to tell you about our friends over at Sweet Hop. So unless something crazy happens between now and the end of the season, which the only crazy thing that can happen would be the craziest <laughs> thing in the history of college football, which is Arkansas upsetting LSU. So no, uh, LSU is in the SEC championship. Uh, the championship game is set. We know that Georgia won the SEC East for the third consecutive year. We're going to see LSU's explosive offense. We're going to see Georgia's relentless defense. Getting tickets to this marquee event can be tough, but not when our friends at Sweet Hop can help you and your group get set up with the experience of a lifetime in a luxury suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Sweet Hop works with companies that own these suites and need to sell them so they are accessible to SEC fans like you. Our suites comfortably hold groups from 18 to 30 people and they're going to give you a chance to watch the game in style. VIP parking, extra wide seats, TVs, dedicated food and beverage service, and no more long lines for the best room. Uncle Chris loves that. Bottom line, the Sweet Life is the way to go for the 2019 SEC Championship game. But did you know that Sweet Hop can hook you up with suites and seats in shared suites at other events as well? From concerts and pro sports to Supercross and family events, Sweet, Hop's, Sweet Hop can upgrade your event experience all across North America. No hidden fees and our outstanding personalized customer service will convince you that Sweet Hopping is the way to go for all your events. Saturday Down South listeners can take $500 American dollars off any SEC championship purchase by using the promo code SDS, just head to sweethop.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com and use the code SDS for $500 off any SEC Championship suite booking. The SEC Championship is at least halfway set thanks to Georgia who hung on against Auburn. Boom. Your favorite game. What a game. game, man. What a game, man. I'm, God, I'm that glad that that game got more interesting down the stretch because... Yeah. It was for for the first three quarters of it. It was like Ugh, Auburn. This Georgia is dominated, man. That Georgia dominated. God, it was one sided. Yeah, I, I agreed. It was it was interesting to watch that because I think you know, um, early on especially it, it was there was uh, that game. I, you guys know how much I love this game in general. I, I just absolutely do. We did but the power ranking. We know. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was cool early on because you know, like Fromm hits that ball deep, and 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 then and then it just kind of slowly became what you thought it would be, and it's like kind of. Slow pace, kind of methodical drives, and and you know it was it was it it from a very early on you could tell Bo Nix was in over his head. He was in over his head against that defense, and Just then credit to yep. him and, and 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 to Gus Malzahn at the end. Um, you know they they kind of made a little run at it, but like there there was one play, you know I, I was laughing because it was like Georgia couldn't seem to stop a slant route to start. You know he had like 12, 12 or fourteen pass attempts in the first quarter oh seth right? williams just caught another another slant pass yeah and you're i'm like hold on a second and and for and you know that the, the pettiness uh, the petty side of me was like all right bama would throw for a thousand yards against this, <laughs> against this team because all we do is their slant routes apparently but no it was it was interesting i was like this is this is odd that, like you know because because if you're georgia there's no part of me that's like you know what we got to prepare for bo nicks to beat us with his arm like i don't i don't there's no passes. way he threw 50 passes but like gus what are you doing? And I'm assuming Gus knew that he wasn't going to run to the teeth of that defense. That defense is so, so fantastic. We talk a lot about it, but yeah, I was I was surprised all on. But there was one play in particular, one one series of plays, uh, or yeah, in ugh, one series of plays early on where Bo Nix dropped back and just threw like a drop back 
slant route. Like, he looked like a pocket passer. And then on the next play, they ran that play that they ran with Nick Marshall back in the day where he, like, sprinted up and to the left and then, like, fired a ball at the last second to I a receiver behind the lattice. God! The only way that, kept, that, that play could have been more unwatchable is if they did that stupid half huddle and then sprint to the line and under center and then call the play. That's the only way it would have been worse. That play would have worked out. It's like a two-yard loss. <laughs> that play would have worked on LSU's defense last night, but I don't think it would have worked. I don't think it had any chance of working on, on Georgia's defense, which for most of that game looked really, really good. Bo Nix did yeah. finally get the first rushing touchdown allowed all year by that Georgia defense, which is amazing to think about considering that was a Week 12 game. But... I had a little little thought in the back of my mind. As that game was unfolding and Auburn is mounting this comeback, and of course I had the ball game tweet as soon as Georgia made it 21 to nothing on the, the Eli Wolf touchdown catch, and I'm thinking, there's no way you can give Auburn you can give Auburn Southern there. I'm I, playing I didn't mean to. No way. Deep South Souls rivalry. It's just bringing it out <laughs> of me. That was, that was organic. Goodness gracious. That's good. <laughs> I was thinking in the back of my mind, when I after I pronounced this game over and Auburn had, had made it 21 to, to 14, are we going to have six years to the day another prayer at Jordan-Hare? Is that going to happen? Dude, it was fourth and ten. It was fourth. I think, honestly, mm. you. there's no way you look at this game and don't think to yourself, if Auburn doesn't just self-inflict an eight-yard loss at that last drive to where it's fourth eighteen, Should've. they don't win this ball game. Yep. I, I will say every year it happens. Every year it happens. They show that damn play, and it just it blows my mind that it still has still happened. And that it wasn't even the kick six doesn't even matter if that happens. <laughs> and it wasn't um, even the most miraculous crazy, play of Auburn's season. <laughs> but it was. But like again, if people always forget that. Like if that play doesn't happen, or that play doesn't happen, like. Bama wins the division and goes to the SEC championship. It wasn't Whatever. even the Regardless. most miraculous play of Auburn's month. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But no, it was it was um it was such a great game going to the fourth quarter and 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 guys like like that. I tell you what, man. As much as we talk about Derrick Brown, Marlon Davidson is is he is really he's a unit. God, he's big and he's so damn good, man. That defensive line, that was it was incredible to watch in the fourth quarter because because I have I have no doubt that. That Georgia's defensive line or Georgia's offensive line, and as much as I always talk about how like well, Bama doesn't get enough credit for the injuries, Georgia's offensive line has not got enough credit for for trying. Like it's like Cole Kubik brought it up like like about a month ago on here about how it's been kind of a mash unit, and they've been trying to like you know figure out like this guy's gonna switch over to this position. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. continuity has been is, yeah all season long, and they had three more injuries against Mizzou. God, you got to credit both sides, man. It, it really was. It was everything I wanted it to be, and we've been talking about this since the offseason, of that offensive line versus this defensive line, and it lived up to all of it, lived up to all the building. Not to pat myself on the back too hard, my prediction for this game was 20-14, to 14, Georgia wins. That was, that so was sick. It was a one point was, off, but still. And I ever, forgot to say it on the pod. I forgot to do it because me being an idiot, so I ran right real, through that. Yeah. So it's basically not real. Although I made 20, sure that I posted it in the Facebook group, and I, I made sure that it was also tweeted out, so we're good. I put yeah. it in a story. I'm on record a few different places. With I said it, it on here where it matters most uh, <laughs> in the moment. It said 20-13. to 13. But, you know, what's funny about that is, of course, you guys always joke about how Connor gets in my head with these picks. Did you notice? I said it on here, twenty to thirteen. I put it in my article, the weekly picks article, Mike Wayne Bratton, twenty to thirteen. I saw your pick, and I was like twenty one fourteen, really, or twenty to fourteen. I was like, really? So I changed it on Instagram to twenty three to thirteen. Ugh. I was like, damn it, Connor. Goodness, 
I thought that if you're if you're a Georgia fan, that game the the script followed what you wanted it to follow. You wanted you needed your team to get out to that early lead on the road and stretching the field early. The catch that Dominic Blaylock had was was fantastic to be able to blew right past Steven Tut. I mean, it was lights out. And I think that the Georgia, despite the fact that it had nine three and outs to end that game, it, it's still like you can still be critical and say. Georgia got way too conservative down the stretch. That type of game worked against Auburn and what they were going yeah. against. And maybe, you know, maybe there was a little bit too much of coaching to that. But obviously everybody's now that got their eyes focused on a couple weeks facing LSU and knowing that nine three and outs against that LSU defense. Yeah. Um, obviously, like we don't think that'll happen because of how much LSU has struggled on defense. But if it does, that's obviously not going to be enough to keep pace with LSU. I think there were a lot of people looking at at, at, and try and like piece that together and figuring out is is this Georgia offense do, do they have any chance of staying on the field with LSU or should we just just say you know I what this is going to be a different kind of for both teams crown them if you want to crown them crown them I I came away from this game with a very different take not maybe you know what maybe not this game I came away from yesterday with a very different take okay and that is that Georgia has a very good chance of of beating LSU. After what I saw from LSU's defense last night, and and I saw the come to Jesus meeting on the sideline, and this is not Tiger defense, and you could say whatever it is about how well this, you know, like they they probably were hungover from last week, you know, from the Bama thing. I tell you what, you say what you want to about the play calling, and we've we've we have said so much about it throughout the season. Georgia has the has the offensive talent and weapons to go up against this LSU team, and I tell you what, if you want to keep that LSU team off the field. And you run the ball, they will run through LSU's defense. LSU's defense is awful, is awful, and they might be getting worse. Like, listen, they, they and they will look better against Arkansas, and they get to have both those teams at home. But Georgia seems like it's peaking at the right time, and I know some people are getting fired up right now, and I love it. I'm fired like, up for this matchup, man. Dude, I'm, I'm ready I'm, for I'm telling tomorrow. you right now, Georgia's defense is different than anything LSU has seen this season, and and they are you you could see, listen Kirby Smart. Did you see what he said after the game yesterday? How about them effing dogs? <laughs> love it. Love it. They, they are playing with a different level of confidence than any other team right now in the SEC. And and, and I I am fired up for this. And I, I said this off air. We'll talk about the playoff thing later this week. The best thing, the best thing that could happen here for LSU this season, that with that strength of schedule thing, and I don't care how this sounds, because they're a great football team. They're a great football team. They will put up points. They, they, they. This offense, you're not taking anything away from what they've accomplished this season so far, or what Joe Burrow and that offense have done. But if they are very, they, they are. I'm, I'm very happy for them. They played such a tough schedule and, and went through it because if they had to play Clemson or Ohio State in the first round of the playoffs, both of those teams would put up 40 points against this defense. Both yeah, of them. Both of these teams are going to be battle tested. I mean, if Georgia, yeah. Georgia beat its third top fifteen team. We already know that LSU was the four wins against top ten teams. Two more things that I, that I want to hit on. But I am too. The more I think about this game, it, it gets me more and more excited because this is going to be a different kind of matchup than than we're used to seeing in the SEC championship. If people are still sleeping on the speed of the Georgia defense, I cannot <sighs> emphasize that enough. The speed of this unit is special. And watching them yesterday, there were, I tweeted out, you know, this Georgia defense, man, just so elite. And there were people who were like, man, but they haven't played anybody. And I get that. The competition at quarterback, Joe Burrow is going to be on a much, much, much different level than any quarterback than they've seen so far. I get that Bo Nix has made some defenses look good. But here's the thing. If you're sleeping on the speed of this defense, guys like Trayvon Walker, guys like Tyler Clark, DJ Daniel, 
all making just huge plays. Nolan Smith, a true freshman who is really starting to come into his own. Man, you got another thing coming because this group is so disciplined. And it took me until we saw them up close in person last week against Mizzou for me to fully realize, like, holy crap, like, this, this unit is scary in space because they do things that I think we take for granted in this era where, it, you know, <laughs> even watching LSU. <laughs> yeah, even watching a team like LSU where you're just like, what in the world is with this tackling? And meanwhile, yeah. it doesn't seem like Georgia ever misses a tackle, ever. No. And I think that it took a it took what this team did in the first three quarters of the game, and maybe you can blame some of this on the offense. You know, the fact that Georgia's offense had all those three and outs, they, they get worn right. down down the stretch. They're playing sort of prevent style. They mix it up, not playing as much zone or playing a little bit too much zone, not as much man, stuff like that. Like, I, I, I get that there's criticism to be had there, but at the same time, man, I just think that this Georgia defense is by far the best that Kirby has had, and I cannot wait to see what they do against LSU. Have I said that enough yet? Yeah, I mean, like, dude, there is, this is the best defense in the country, and it's not, I don't know if it's close. I, I honestly don't know if it's close. This defense has been, and, and we talk about how young they are, and, and it's a scary thought that doesn't even need to be brought up now. It's scary to think about how much better they're going to be uh, as the season goes on. We had a couple of listeners. I know Cat Harris, man, that's one of my, my favorites, uh, the Florida fan. And he was like, he's like, you know, honestly, I thought there would be a drop-off with Mel Tucker, but this this team's pretty nope. good. And I think he made it with, like, tongue-in-cheek. Like, he's like, yep, yeah, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. good. They, are, they are dominant. They are dominant. And I, I didn't see the final numbers. Um, and I don't really care because I get to watch the whole thing and, and see it, like, firsthand. But, you know, I... I, d- I know that they played four backup um, backup quarterbacks or five or whatever, how you want to say it. Uh, this has been an incredible unit to watch. And I, I don't know if it would have mattered if if they didn't have, uh, if they didn't play backup quarterbacks. I mean, honestly, yeah, it, it wouldn't have mattered because usually they don't play well against backup quarterbacks and um, lost to a third string backup quarterback with USC. So yeah, it's just like watch how they cover Anthony Schwartz in space when he just yeah. gets blown up for a five yard loss. Like the speed that they play with, the pursuit that they have is just it, it's unmatched. And I I'm excited to see what it can do against an elite quarterback uh, on the big stage. So I, I said there was two things, two more things I wanted to hit on with his game. There's actually three more things I wanted to hit on. Oh God! Real quick, can we talk about Gary Danielson? I. Gets worse and worse, huh? Gets worse you know, and worse every week. I, I I thought it was just people hating on him, but he is good lord. I have been one to sort of defend him a little bit at times, yeah. and I and I've said on this podcast, I think he's kind of better than people give him credit for. He, he picks is. out things that that people don't always notice all the time. It's a little bit of the Chris Collinsworth thing, where he might not be your favorite person to listen to, and he might just the way that he kind of comes off a little bit hoity-toity sometimes. He comes off, and he kind of seems like he's I'm talking down to you. Line. Yeah, he says that a lot too. But my gosh, did he have a horrible showing when the photographer who got trucked on the run out of bounds by Brian Harrion, the unintentional thing that happened, his tone, he quickly did not sense the moment of like, oh my gosh, this entire stadium is silent right now. I have people like Brad Nessler right next to me who understand the like the, the gravity of this. Like there is a yeah. woman laying unconscious, <laughs> unconscious. and he's like you laughing through it. And he's talking about like he's you know he's chuckling about how like oh he thinks like Brian Harry and like he's probably glad that like he didn't you know he's probably glad that it wasn't like a I can't remember the the wording that he used but it was something yeah. to the effect of oh Brian Harry's probably glad that you know he didn't you know hurt somebody severely or something like that and you're yeah. just like go back at that Gary. minute and a half clip you're just like dude shut up just just stop talking it's like Michael it was like Michael at the rehearsal dinner when yeah. when he comes in and he, he thinks he's just going to be able it's a to different freelance. sensation. <laughs> 
Stop talking. It was, dude, it was it was one of those things. That, now now listen, I I will. I am so glad, and I think I think honestly, it's not just me. I think me, Allie, my family, probably Queso, and everyone listens to this podcast. Also, definitely Queso. Glad is glad that there is not a that that my job doesn't ever involve a a a neat like like you can, that I'm not being recorded in, in the, the heat moment. of the moment. In yeah, the heat yeah. of the moment, y'all don't want that. I don't want it. It's not good for anybody. Um, but this was like one of those, the only way this could have been worse is if he was like, well, man, she's probably going to take longer to heal because she's a woman. Like, that's the only way it could have been worse. He, and he almost kind of got there. He, he almost, almost like, he kept saying more and more. And you're like, hey, like, I'm, I honestly, I'm not saying this is a joke. I, I'm surprised that I, you didn't hear like in the background of like, of, of Nestler hitting him and be like, Hey, stop. Shut up. Just shut <laughs> like, like hitting him and be like, dude, just, just, just shut, sh- shut, shut your mouth. Just, just. Are you saying Pam or Pan? Yeah. Shut, shut, hey, damn or Dan, just, just shut your mouth. It was, it was one of the most uncomfortable moments I've seen in a while. And and that's saying something because those two, him and Vern, and I'm, and I'm glad that Nestler's in there and not Vern, because I don't know if, Vern kind of always like reacted based off Gary. And I wonder what that next sound clip would have looked like. There would have been like a ha ha, like a very watered down turtle. That was awful. It was, it was <laughs> a terrible, a terrible. Like, and I, I know this is apology culture, and everybody thinks everybody should apologize yeah. for anything that's in this day and age. Like, if there was something that warranted an apology, uh, seriously, go back and listen to a minute and a half of that. And, it was just not, so bad. It is tough. It is tough. I know in the moment to to be held accountable for like, like, like you know, you're gonna have moments like we don't know. It, but I will say this, in the same way that like. I, and I don't know what was going on in that booth, but this is the complaint I always have with Brian Greasy the, earlier from, from the, that game this weekend and earlier this year, is there's moments in the game in the broadcast where there's stuff that he says where you know he's not paying attention. And I don't know if that's Gary Danielson at all. I'm, I'm not saying that's what it is. But that there are moments when that's happened before, and I'm like, dude, just, are you are you watching? Because everybody saw her body go limp. Yeah, and, and the, you know, her eyes are closed. and, and, and Oh, God. Quickly, like everybody, Brian Herring is still standing around her. Brian Herring had to be pulled away from somebody to say like, hey, like, look, we got we to be able to give her a space, let the medical professionals come in yeah. and address the situation. Quickly, they brought out the stretcher, and he's like, still talking as this is going on. It's like, just stop it. Just stop. So Look, they're doing the limbo. No, it's a stretcher, sir. Stop. <laughs> so that happened. But the thing that, that actually, like, upset me a little bit more was under was – so there was a play where DeAndre Swift fumbled. He was behind the he was behind the first down marker. I think he was oh. two yards short of a first down. Late in the game. Uh no, it was kind of it was kind of early on. It was in, early it was in, in the first, game. Yeah, early, early in the game. game. <laughs> so he DeAndre Swift fumbles the ball from I think two yards short of the first down marker, and yeah. the ball went something like three yards past the first down marker, but out of bounds. Gary Danielson did not understand that the ball came back, the spot of the ball came back to where it was fumbled, and he had asked Gene Serator, why was that the call and why didn't the spot go to the first down? Gary Danielson, if you don't understand that you can't just throw a ball past the first down marker and out of bounds in 2019, and you've been doing this for over 20 years, get out of that booth, man, because that is a bare basic thing that you need to be able to understand as somebody who gets paid a lot of money to talk about football for a living. And I give these guys the benefit of the doubt all the time, but I was flabbergasted that he did not understand that rule in the heat of the moment to say, oh yeah, the ball comes back to the spot of the fumble. You dope. How in the world 
do you do you make something that egregious of an error on national TV where you just flat out did not understand that? Like to me, that was Who would have uh, thought blew that me away. Was fired up that we would have been on this <sighs> entire episode. Like like we, <laughs> there's there's stuff that we were we went over beforehand. We're like all right, like mainly to me, like Chris. Here's what you can get upset about. Here's what you cannot get upset about. And and that's I think that's always good to have for me especially. I need a minute, man. Gary, Gary Danielson's chemical and balance on on that reaction. I, I tell you what though, I'm sure he knows. I'm sure he knows that rule, right? I know that rule. He didn't though. He I'm didn't. an analyst though. That's why I know the rule. I and I'm, like <laughs> I said, I for the most part, I I give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he is a way smarter football mind than I am. But you cannot be that ridiculously short-sighted in that moment to I, not know what is going on in that situation. That's terrible. One of the first things I ever asked my dad but when I was watching a football game and I was like, why wouldn't they just, if you could, if the ball goes forward, why wouldn't you just roll the ball out of bounds? Like, basically, I was asking how to cheat at football. Exactly. And my dad was like, my dad was like, well, Kenny Stabler used to do this. Like he, or he did it once or twice. And that's what, I, I don't know, I never saw the video, but that's what he told me. He's like, yes, yeah, Stabler used to like roll out and then he would he would roll the ball <laughs> past the line of, like the first down. And that's one of the reasons they had to stop allowing it or something. I don't know if that, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, like, yeah, even I know that. <sighs> I don't I mean. Anyway, this is going to be last thing I want to say about this game. It's going to be interesting for Gus now. And he's probably grateful that he had the fourth quarter that he did. If Auburn gets shut out, I think the conversation about him and his, his offense is a little bit different. But the end result is still the same. A lot of people think yeah, he's going to have to pull one out of his hat, and I don't even know how much people are going to make this. People are going to make this into a make-or-break game, maybe for him against Alabama because it's at home, and now that it's going to be without Tua, I don't know how much that changes things. But the conversation, Very. the conversation about Gus in the hot seat, I think a lot of people are going to be having it. Uh, just very, very frequently over the course of the next two, three weeks. Very, very scary situation here going into this game for Alabama. And and as and I'll say that as a fan, and mainly out of fear, is you were talking about a guy that is always, always seemingly playing for his his job. But in this in this spot, especially when you have four guys, four starters that went out yesterday, uh, including two more defensive linemen and people in the front seven. For Bama, and obviously your quarterback is bigger than that. Rugs having the, the bruised ribs, all those guys, and it's at Auburn. Very, very dangerous situation for Alabama to have a coach that might need to make a point or make an example out of Bama. I, I worry about that one. Something happening with Mac Jones, and then and then them pouring it on just to save face at the end of the year. You know how we make the joke about how you know Bama has got the Dodge Chargers, Ohio State's got what is Ohio State's car? The the car that they get set up with the dealership. I put that in air quotes. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, New Gus, if they if they beat Bama and he gets to keep his job, New Gus is just going to buy the entire offense Harley's. It's probably about the defense yeah. Harleys too, but you know, just yeah, throwing that I mean, out there. That's more than anything. Yeah. Um, let's. Th- there's a lot of things that I didn't like there, and I apologize if I got a little bit heated up. I'm sorry for calling Gary Danielson a dope. Who would have thought you'd be the one that me. went over overboard? <sighs> not overboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk about all one the thing things that we didn't like. One thing I liked. So Florida, Mizzou. Let's start there. That was the How about early Florida, game. Florida, huh? Florida. Okay. So this is this is one of my favorite stats from this Florida team this year, and now that it's in the books, Florida is done with SEC play. I've been waiting to throw this out there. Florida was an average, had an average margin of victory of 22.3 points in their six SEC wins. They finished the SEC slate going six and two. They are a Florida State win away from going to a New Year's Six Bowl this year. I love the fact. Are they nine and two? 
They're yeah, they're nine and two. Oh yeah, okay. Because they've they've got one more bye week and then they've got the Florida they're about State. About week game. zero, yeah. Yeah. So Florida State is, is sitting here in a really good position. Got to feel good about the program, and I know they're going to lose a ton Florida. of talent this year. Florida, not Florida State. My bad. Whoa, sorry. Whoa, getting a little I bit too worked up them, there. So I wanted to correct. Thank you. you for correcting me. That was I don't hate Florida State. I have a lot of hate for Florida State and the things that they represented this past year and a half. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I love that Florida this year finally been so dominant in games that they've supposed to been that they're supposed to be dominant in and this is a game that was you know Florida's only a, a touchdown favorite in this game essentially six points six and a half points whatever it was but they they came out and that defense is just relentless we've talked about it so much throughout this year but it has been the common denominator in this team with I get the exception of the LSU game and you know they didn't play up to the level that we thought maybe they could against Georgia but Man, I have been so impressed with this team this year, and they've proven me wrong. And even though I predicted in the in the preseason that I thought six and two in the SEC was the peak for this team, I love the fact that they have been so much more dominant in these games than they were last year. Where I kept bringing up the stat about how you know five of the six division games that they played um, against you know SEC East teams that they were they were trailing in the fourth quarter last year. That was not the case this year. It was it has been a totally different story. Progress for Dan Mullen's program. Yeah, man, I, it's this has been it sucks almost that they've been overshadowed so much about. Uh, I know they lost to Georgia, especially, but um, the LSU story has been uh, the overwhelming, you know, feel good story of the SEC this year. Uh, I think people kind of expected Bama and Georgia to do whatever they're going to do, but this has been incredible. This has been nothing short of incredible. I was could not have been further uh, from being right on this uh, in the start of the season. I mean, congrats. Just congrats to Dan Mullen. Congrats to Florida, Florida fans. This has been an incredible start. And I tell you what, I, I, I was so hard on him early on, especially in that program, because, like, you know, he hasn't been, like, a great recruiter in the past. And, I, you know, his numbers could be skewed because Mississippi State. He's going to get recruits. He's, he's at Florida. I mean, he's going to get recruits. This yep. thing is going to keep rolling, and, and it has been an incredible coaching job. Incredible coaching job in year two for him. Don't take these things for granted, too. Going no. To, going to a New Year's Six Bowl is it's a big deal, and it's a sign of success winning in two, your program. Winning 10 games is a big deal. In also SEC, a huge deal, yes, Back-to-back years, especially when you weren't supposed to either year necessarily. Which they are set up in very good shape to be able yeah, to do my that. My dumbass is the one that said that the ceiling was at 9 or 10. I said the same thing. I said the Jeez. same thing. So, yeah, Florida, credit to them. Florida can can finish this season with 11 wins if they win a bowl game, which would be a, a New Year's Six Bowl. If they if they were able to win consecutive New Year's Six right. Bowls and double-digit win seasons with Dan Mullen, I get that it's not the division championship just yet, but that is a really good place yeah, to start. Well, and also, if you're a Florida fan, and I know how unreasonable they can be with their expectations and stuff like that for whatever reason, like on, on especially on social media, but, like, dude, if you're 10-2... and two, not only is that impressive, going to the year six bowl, all the stuff we've already said, your two losses are to the top four teams in the country, both of them away from home. Like, that's that's a ridiculously good year. With Kyle Trask at quarterback, which I know that that— And injuries everywhere on the yeah. defense all year long. Yeah, Dan Mullen, like I wonder, said— would they have won the national championship? With, <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's, yeah, not let's, not, let's not go that far. Meanwhile, Mizzou is going in the complete opposite direction. Ooh, what a what an awkward situation this has quickly become for Barry Odom, who is just not taking control. Oh, man, what if they do? <laughs> what if they do? Goodness Who's gracious. Who's coaching Arkansas? Arkansas is throwing the towel. All right, let's talk about this next game that I didn't watch a second of, I'll be honest. All right, so here's – yeah, I, I, I caught very, very limited action of this game, but rewatching some of the, the highlights and stuff like that. Kentucky and Vandy. I set the over under in our in our pod last oh, week. Oh yeah. At 22 completions in this game 
and I looked I at the box score. you your mind. <laughs> I looked at the box score after the game because I thought it was kind of close, and I was so giddy to text you this. I said, Marler, guess what? Guess what the final number of completions in this game was? And it was 22. So congrats to me. Big old fat pat on the back. You know, honestly, Connor, I think that, uh, you know, not enough is made out of the fact that you picking a uh, non, like a line you couldn't bet on in a game that nobody watched. I, I don't think any, I don't think enough is ever going to be made about this. And I, I'm, I'm happy for you. And I know all of our listeners are too, because our listeners, I know they were like, Man, I gotta make sure I tune into that just to see if this is right. <laughs> so Twenty-two completions, six different guys in this game attempted a pass. I would have. I, I will say. I know you can't bet on it. I'm giving you. I'm giving you a hard time. There's no way I would have bet any. I would have bet all the money that my fiance has on all those opposite things happening. Like Connor's an idiot. Like yep. twenty-two completions in this game. Like, oh my god, that was incredible. Shout out to Lynn Completions. Bowden. Completions. I would have taken the attempts. Like, that is nuts, man. Shout out to Lynn Bowden for completing eight passes in this game. Thank you very much for God. that. Kentucky ran for over 400 yards in this game. Uh, Vandy, Vandy's defense. Vandy beat, oh. beat Missouri. <laughs> Vandy beat Missouri. Let us never forget that. We're going to do something at the end of the year. Um, and I don't know how much this is that that game particular is gonna is gonna fit into this, but something that I want to do on this podcast is look back on the most baffling games of the college football season. Now that we have a full season of data to be able to process it, obviously South Carolina Georgia is, is shaping up to be one of those. But games that we look back on and we're like, how in the world did that happen on a given day? How in the world did Vandy beat an SEC team this year? I don't know. Dude, I have we gotta, no idea. We got to talk at some point too. It's, and now's the time we'll finish this segment, but we got to talk about Vegas this from yesterday. Ooh, I'm, yeah, I'm mean, nervous about that. Hold on, I'll say, I'll say it now because you already brought up like the, the over-under thing. You guys, if you ever want to know how good Vegas is. Vegas had a good what, day. What did we talk about? I had a great day. I went off again. I had, I had I'm up. Uncle up Chris. Several units from yesterday. Um Vegas, we talked about this, this UMass Northwestern game. Oh, I was like, man. dude, is that, like we wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. Like, you know, what do you bet on that? It's kind of an odd thing. The over under was fifty and a half, and it was UMass and Northwestern, two of the worst teams in all the country. And we were like, what? And, then, and the line was thirty eight and a half. That's what Vegas opened the line at thirty eight and a half. Over under at fifty and a half. And we talked about Northwestern. We're like, dude, they haven't scored. Like they've scored like one touchdown in the past forty four possessions, mm-hmm. and like all this other stuff. Like, all these terrible stats. The final score of that game. Was Northwestern forty-five to six? They won by thirty-nine points, and they told that both teams scored a combined fifty-one points. So, if any of you are out there like Chris is a degenerate gambler, you are correct. But also, just know this is why this is so fascinating to me. Because, and listen, they were Virginia Tech won like thirty-eight or forty-five nothing against Georgia Tech. Like and that the was, Notre that Dame spread like, was that yeah, we, we questioned. I cannot that believe that I threw Navy in there at the end. That was so dumb. But, but no, this right here, this is why it's so fascinating to me because it's like. Those are all big. Those are all bigger names than like why? Why would UMass and Northwestern like like who knew? That's craziness. Anyway, moving on to LSU and their terrible defense. Yeah. So LSU and Ole Miss. If you watched this game last night, shout out to you because you know yourself some great entertainment on a Saturday night. Yeah. For uh, real, man. It was it was great. I had it was one of those things. One of those games where it was the primary game that I was watching. And yeah, make fun of me. I got the one TV set up. It's in my living room. You didn't watch I'm, Baylor Oklahoma. No, I watched Baylor Oklahoma. I watched. I tuned into that. I was flipping back and forth between that South Carolina A and M. Yeah. And I had I intended like at, at halftime of LSU Ole Miss. I thought it was going to be over. 
and I thought I was just going to be able to watch the rest of A&M South Carolina all the way right. through. I thought Burrow was essentially going to be out for most of the second half. And then, of course, Ole Miss got that first touchdown in, in, the, in the second half, the, the quick strike, and LSU had to essentially you know play its starters for the majority of that game, the vast majority of that game. <laughs> so what I liked from this game... They got outscored in the second half with all their starters in. Wild. So the thing that I liked about this game was Ole Miss scoring so that we could see more of the LSU offense. Now, that yeah, was... Yeah, that was cool. That was not the plan in this game. And, uh, you know, Coach O said at the halftime interview, and he was even asked about the Tua stuff earlier in the day. He's like, yeah, I mean, I, I want to get I want to get a score in the first, on the first possession here and then get Joe Burrow out of this game because that is the yeah. last thing that he wanted to deal with. And so John, John Rice Plumley is like, no, 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 no. That's not how this game is going to fly. Dude is electric. He is so fun to watch. Did you see that little – he had this, this play – where, and this is just Rich Rod 101, he faked this end around, and it was like a fake pit, like a fake handoff pitch that he kept himself, and I don't know if that play is designed where he's going to keep it or if it's legit. He didn't. No, he didn't turn his back. Like he was running. He was running to his right, and it was. He had a receiver who was coming in behind him okay, on the yeah, sweep, yeah. and and he did this little fake, and and it was like he did like a little hitch step with it, and then he was just gone, and he took yeah. off in this way that I was like, oh my god, like. I want to. I, I need to make it appointment viewing to watch like every second that this kid plays because it was that kind of day for him. And the LSU defense was so frustrated trying to bring him down. And I mean, it, the, the great stat from this game that came out, and I can't remember who threw this out there, so apologies. But he had the most rushing yards, John Rice Plumley, for a quarterback against a number one team since Vince Young in the Rose Bowl against USC. Like that's the kind wow. of day that he had running the football. It was fun to watch. It was really fun he had to watch. Two hundred and twelve yards. Pretty good. He had almost ten yards of carry. He Pretty did good. have 20, ten yards of carry. Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was impressive. And I tell you, and I know I joked around. I've been harsh on the LSU defense, and with good reason because they were god awful. They were bad. They, they were, were bad. awful. And, and this is now. Listen, I I've defended this whole thing about like, and with Vandy earlier in the year, and how we talked about how they gave up thirty eight points to Vandy. Well, you know, and Vandy also had two like two of the scores were led from like defensive touchdowns or, or defensive whatever it was. Regardless, this is a problem. This yep. is a problem, and I tell you no what: doubt. if this, if you weren't number one LSU fans, like, and I'm not saying this to, to LSU has beaten Bama, LSU has done everything this season they've been asked to do. This offense has been arguably the best offense in the history of the SEC. Like, it's I it's mean, going to finish. Yeah, the numbers are certainly going to bear that out. It, it has it a very have, good chance. Yep. It doesn't have the names as of right now. It doesn't have the names of like a I Killyard, Reedell Anthony, Danny Werfel, because we look at those with with Steve Spurrier as the head coach, especially, and you're like. Good God, what a yep. combination of things there at receiver. Jack has green. Jack Jackson, I don't even know if they were all on the same team, but regardless, those teams were incredible to watch. Chris Doring. I, Chris Doring was not on the 96 team, <laughs> but yes. But, like, but you look back now, I don't know what we're going to look. Those are those are household names for, I think, the people that have been watching SEC football for a very long time. I do think Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman, deservingly so. These two receivers, it's the first time you've had two 1,000-yard receivers on the same team it's crazy. Since it's like one of the only three times in the history of the SEC, but this is starting to be a concern for this defense. And I tell you what, if if you if they weren't number one, if say say they had somehow lost two games, which I know is a complete hypothetical. Imagine the uproar from this fan base, and 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 deservingly so. You're paying what to Dave Aranda? You're paying how much money to Dave Aranda? And and, and keep in mind, guys. Everyone thought before you got Joe Brady, and, and this is we're, let's be objective here, and let's let's look back on this for a second. 
everyone thought before you got Joe Brady and before this this offensive explosion that the piece, the key piece to all of this was Dave Aranda. All of it. You're paying him $2.5 million to get 614 yards against Ole Miss? That is unacceptable. There's too much talent on that defense. I've got kind of a spicy take. I'm interested. DBU. Interested <clears throat> to get your take. Give speaking, it to me. Speaking of DBU, based on what we saw last night, I think I'd sit Grant Elpit until the SEC Championship. Yep, yep. I yep. think I would say, you know what, I feel like right now he is not at 100%. There was a play, a pass play, in the fourth quarter of that game where he just looked Awful. That that play will be nowhere near his NFL draft film, and it was a no. uh, it was it was strange to see because he's somebody that we came into the year talking about as the best defensive player in the country, and it has been a disappointing year. Whether that's been entirely injuries or not, I, I don't know 100%. But he does not look right at this moment. And if I am if I'm Coach O, I'm thinking long and hard about what we need this player for, and I don't need him trying to gut it through against a team like Arkansas. No, I, no, I should be able everybody. to beat A&M without him. I, w- I would be seriously thinking about sitting him until that SEC championship matchup because he is too yeah. valuable, and you well, need him at his best because he was not wanna, at his best. I do want to say one thing to LSU fans because I know you guys probably think I'm being hard on you. And Mickey Sheremy, Nick Hallaby. Shout out those uh, guys. Sean those Larkin, guys. all those guys. You guys know I love you. You guys, and Listen, LSU fans in general – you got nothing to worry about going to the rest of the season. I think you're going to win out until you get this championship game. We'll see what happens then. But I'm I'm, I'm telling you right now, and I'm, I am kind of joking. And the DBU thing, I know you guys get very defensive about that, so I want to clarify. I'm Everybody joking. does. They only, they only get 200 yards passing. But I tell you what, man, 400 yards rushing to this team is a concern. And all the stuff that I said, being critical of them, all that's a concern. I tell you what, though, if you give up 614 yards – if you give up 30 points in the second half with your first string and all that kind of stuff, you have two turnovers on offense, all those things, and you still win by 21 points. Wow. Pretty good. Um, wow. Joe Burrow had a great quote. He said, you know things have changed at LSU. When LSU can gain 700 yards in a game and the team looks around and they're upset after the game. He said that I, was the vibe. That is, yeah. And if you saw Joe Burrow on the sideline, you know he had a couple of couple of interceptions in this game. That's something that obviously he has not done this this year is, is throw those picks. He's been so Think incredibly Think about that accurate. on paper. Think about that. Yeah. If, you, if somebody would have brought you that on paper after the big Alabama win, especially like, dude, Ole Miss is going to have 37 points and 600 yards of offense and 400 yards rushing. You're like, oh, my God, LSU's going to lose. They won yep. by 21. Joe Burrow is, uh, by the way, only needs seven touchdown passes to break Drew Locke's single-season SEC record, and I think he's going to have at least four games to do it because the SEC championship and then a bowl game as well. So, uh, yeah, that looks like it's coming down. Could he potentially get to 50? I certainly would not rule that out at this point with how good he is. I think that Joe Burrow is going to take down an iconic legend like Drew Locke. It's incredible. Dwayne Haskins threw. Dwayne Haskins had 50 touchdown passes last year as well. Can so you that'd get be your Big Ten blank out of here, please. I was no, that was, Mar- was Marler. You love Ohio State. You love betting on Ohio State. We'll get Not to, yesterday. No, we'll get to that in a little bit. So last game that we want to hit on here: South Carolina and AM. Thoughts and prayers to you if you had to be a South Carolina fan watching this game. Um, thing I liked from this game was AM reminding us just how depleted South Carolina was at the skill positions on the outside. Uh, Brian Edwards, Ortrey Smith, Tavian Feaster were all out in this game. Rico Dowdle was not at 100%. Uh, Mike Elko's defense, 
credit to them, did not have busts in this game. It was not a, a game where you're like, how in the world is South Carolina staying with AM? AM is letting a team hang around for too long. I've, I've criticized them in the past under Jimbo Fisher of not being able to really put their foot on the gas against ACC teams. I know it wasn't a great offensive game for AM necessarily, but still, I mean, Ryan Holinsky is not good enough necessarily to win a game like that when he's got so no. many issues at the skill positions. He's just not at that level yet, I, and I credit AM I cra- for blowing him out. Am I crazy to think? That this South Carolina team has like like every time every time they talk about like their players being out for South Carolina, I, I, I'm, it seems like it's a lot of skill like very talented skill players like like more so than some SEC, other SEC teams like or maybe it's just because that is like their entire offense and that's their entire team it seems like so much production is being taken out but it seems like every game they're like Brian Edwards is out. Tavian Feast out. I'm like, God, these are like really good players. And how many times do we talk about Debo Samuel being out throughout his career too? That's probably yeah. part of it where you feel like, oh man, if they just had that one piece left, that's kind of been Dude, the I mean, the I tell you what, thing. Will Muschamp does not care about his players. That's why those kids keep coming. I'm kidding. Oh, those gosh. kids, I'm totally kidding. But that, that thing, I tell you what, what's uh, what sucks, and I, I like we we we're never going to talk about politics or religion on here, but I do want to say thoughts and prayers for South Carolina fans because this is. This is so tough to watch for them. And I, David Carter, uh, Paige Cooper, all you guys, I feel so bad. Nick Vi, it sucks, man. This sucks. And I know I know what this is like to go through. Like, like it hasn't happened for a while, but like this is this is tough to go through as a fan for any team. I I say thoughts and prayers like like it's like in jest, but next week, Clemson has scored, has beaten opponents by 45 or more points in four straight games. 45 or more. For two weeks, in, yeah. Yeah, sure. In 45 more points for four straight games. And it ha- is that's happened twice in the history of college football. 72 Nebraska and 44 Army. And I think we all know how that 44 Army season turned out, brother. Oh, I remember. But, I mean, I this think- I just this is, this is one of those things where Carolina fans cannot. There's nothing that Will Muschamp can do where they're going to be like, that's, you know what? I like that. I like that. Because they've been so bad since Clemson. the Georgia game. They've been so they have, bad. They have. But he kicked a field goal yesterday to go down 30-6. to six, And I, I just don't know what's oh. going on. I don't know what's real anymore. And everybody know he got the vote of confidence. He's coming back. <laughs> In more, more or less words, yeah, the buyout is a little bit too steep. We're gonna base 2020 on on the rest of his uh, on the rest of his tenure at South Carolina. Yeah. That's gonna be the make or break year. Yeah, tough for South Carolina fans to just have to sit there and just sort of take their lumps and realize that this team is officially eliminated from bowl contention and Clemson is gonna be ready to go for that matchup. That much we think. Connor, let's, we've got to start recording this thing at 11 a.m. so I can get my bets in before the NFL game starts. There we go. Just, let's, let's, irresponsible. Guess, let's guess the week 13 lines. We're only gonna guess three lines because it is cupcake week. What's your favorite kind of cupcake? We ask this every year. I hate. I hate that. No, you ask. I this this makes me so. I hate this this week. It sucks, man. I'm actually. Um, I'm actually. My best friend is getting married. Um, next weekend. Yeah. As I, as I always say, my friends. We only know. Get married, my friends only get married on Cupcake Week. So we're gonna. I, I'm actually gonna be. I'll be fun. Uh, Can I'll I be, say like, it? Watching a. Can oh, I say go ahead. it? Go ahead. That's why we couldn't go to Athens for the A&M game because your stupid friend. Sorry, my best friend is getting married. I apologize. I hate your best friend. Yes, I hate your I best apologize. friend. I love you. I hate your best friend. Um, I'll never let this go. Sorry. Um, no, that'll be fun. Where's it at? Where's the wedding? Uh, downtown Chicago. It's gonna be fun. Oh, I'm standing exactly. in the. I'm standing in the wedding. Yeah, so it'll that's be, important too. We'll be at a sports bar during the day um, on Saturday, like in the afternoon. That'd be it's fun. a later that, wedding. That's also so. cool for you because. Well, it's gonna be cold though, right? Yeah, it's gonna be really cold. It's gonna so be is really that cold. like different? Like, and we'll get off track here for a second, or I will because my ADD. But mm-hmm. like, that's I've always thought. You know how much I sweat. 
like a winter wedding, I always thought would be pretty smart. It's inside. <laughs> it's not outside. No, but I'm saying in general. But I'm just saying in general, that seems like a good move. So, but like, is that different? Like for like, if you're if you're planning a wedding in the Midwest, I don't feel like you, you probably have more summer and spring weddings. Or probably, do you have less? I guess. Like, why are you getting? No, I mean, a lot of people in the Midwest don't get married outside. Like we got married outside first week uh... of September. We got married. Labor Day weekend, and we were kind of rolling the dice a little bit with with some of the yeah. weather. It ended up being, I think it was like 80 during the day, but then it kind of settled into the perfect weather at night. But if you get married in the winter, you get married indoors. Like that's just yeah, a lot. Of, and Spring a lot of in Chicago is is like the most beautiful of the country. That is. Agree to disagree. No, the oh, weather is maybe the summer, is usually summer cold. in Chicago. Summertime shy is considered. That's, yeah, that's right. what Kanye yeah. raps about. Kanye. Yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, I'm more, I'm a little bit worried about pictures and stuff. We're gonna have pictures outdoors. Oh, and you're stuff. gonna look like, great. Gonna be... You've been doing deadlifts. No, I, I thank you for pointing that out. Um, appreciate you bringing that up. But yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be cold. It's gonna be cold, yeah. more or less. It'll All right, fun, let's though. let's guess three lines because the rest are just absolute duds. And not that these are, are great particularly, but there are three lines that are actually worth guessing: Arkansas and LSU. What a great place to start. Speaking of cups. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I have, um, I have LSU ahead. as a 42-point favorite. And an SEC game, that's 42 craziness. points. I don't know if that's enough. <laughs> um, Might not this, be. This is, this is like Ohio State Rutgers all over again. 53-point uh, favorite, but Ohio State didn't cover. No, they did not. Um, oof. I, I guess, yeah. Again, I don't know why we ever asked me on these because I don't. You've got Mizzou over Tennessee? So, Mizzou at home. Oh. Mizzou has been getting the benefit of the doubt. When it comes to the spreads, I might pick Tennessee to win this game. I probably will pick Tennessee to win this game just because I think Mizzou is a complete and utter disaster right now. Yeah. I have Mizzou still, though, as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. I I can't, with good conscience, say that. That that seems... Uh, I, I would have to say... I'd say pick them or Tennessee could be favored. Tennessee's coming off a bye week. You know how much I believe in that. You do. I mean, God, this is this is tough. I don't know. I'll I say pick them. I'd say that's that line could move. I wouldn't be surprised if it was three points in either direction. The swings. Yeah, agreed. Completely yeah. agree. A&M in Georgia. Georgia is at home. The last SEC game for Georgia. The, the division's Ooh. already locked up. Still playing though, obviously to keep their playoff hopes alive. I have Georgia as a 14 and a half point home favorite. Got the hook in there just for you. I appreciate that. I'll say 11 and a half. 11 and a half just because, I mean, AM trying to save some face here, coming off a big win. Georgia coming off an emotional win. Georgia, listen, that Georgia Auburn game is always one of the most physical games in the SEC every single year. And that is going to be a lot to have to, to get back up for. God, I hate this week so much. What other That's games awful. are there? There being any national games? Why do they, they just don't have it? Just don't like, don't have this week. This, this, this week sucks, man. Bama's playing like Western Carolina. I'm, not, I'm going to the Georgia Tech game again. They're playing on Thursday night, though. Ooh, who does Georgia Tech have? I have no idea. No You're clue, dude. That big of a fan. You love Bobby Dodd. I'd love Bobby Dodd. I'll go uh, watch the game for the Instagram picture, I guess. <laughs> that's that's just, it, man. It's all for the This gram. sucks. This is like this whole weekend. I'm glad that we have A&M Georgia because I think that's a that's a pretty pretty good game. But, I mean, whatever. This is it, though? Sucks. Is it? I don't know. Um, all right. Coach O, Matt Luke, they're not available today. They were they were in the same place. Um, they were. He you don't want Matt Luke. I am Matt talking Luke. about Matt Luke. Yes. Listen, and Coach O, Coach O could not show up today. He he had himself uh, several pickle martinis last night. But I tell you, he do have. I tell you, he do have. You got me. 
You know who that is? For another year. You want Matt Luke? Matt, yeah. let me talk about Matt Luke, head coach almost football for for a full another year, man. I know, coach, calm down a little bit. I have cases. This is his dream job, Matt Luke. Yeah. you're fired up. We get it. We get it. I mean, I will. I will say this: you, you got two guys, two coaches that are that are both uh, overweight. One of us more so than the other, and, and and but also overzealous. And I think that's that is the word that we should use today, and that is overzealous and getting all amped up for for coaching our alma maters. And I know Coach O didn't go there. I don't know honestly. I don't know if Coach O ever went to college. Um, I'm assuming he did. Hey, come on now. Oh, he's here. He's oh God. Happy. How you doing, my Luke? Hey, Coach. A hell of a win last night. We just John Ross Plumley just ran for another thirteen hundred yards though against you. Whoa. Can you imagine? By the way, real quick, real quick. Can you imagine these two? This would be, I think, the most likable and dislikable tag team championship duo in wrestling history. Why? Like, why dislikable? Well, I just I feel like they'd be like who like the Bushwhackers. I could easily see Matt Luke, oh, Matt Luke, coming in there doing that whole thing, and then Coach Joe not saying words, just being from parts unknown. That, we need that. We need that in our life. I would like to see at the end of the year, instead of an SC championship game, I want to see Matt Luke, Kozo, versus Derek Brown and DeAndre Swift's dad in a battle oh. to yes, yes, tag team, tag team champion. Like, like not for the SEC championship, for the Intercontinental SEC championship. That's what I want to see. That's what. That's what I want to see. Matt Luke would be sneaky good because of the offensive line stuff. Those guys know the hand to hand combat. Oh, yeah. They they know that better than you we. You see think. me get under his pants. You see me get under Derek Brown's pants and just and just drive. I just drive him the whole time. Yeah, I'm sorry guys. It was uh, we had we had a lot more planned with Matt Luke and Coach O, but due to temporary sadness, we just we we had to cut the interview kind of short. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I know some Ole Miss fans are happy to see that Matt Luke was extended. Some are not. Um, Somebody, dude, there's nobody happier than me. You. Yeah. Like this is this was there was one person I, I put up the uh, thing last night and it was like. I was obviously upset from like the day of football. I was kind of bummed out, but like the Matt Luke thing, I was cracking up because I, I, I did some impression. I threw it on the Facebook podcast group, and somebody was like, "Well, obviously Matt Luke and Uncle Chris have gotten into the into the bourbon," and I was like, "No, I haven't had anything. To do. Just, just want Matt Luke. Just makes me excited, man. Excited to be alive. <laughs> excited to be alive." Let's end with it might mean too much. Um, I, I talked about this uh, a little bit. I think last week, I think I brought this up, uh, talked to Kaylee Thomas, who spells her name in the way that you just hate so much. A cough and not a why? <laughs> she is better known as the LSU meme girl. She was the one who had the viral clip during the Bama LSU game last year, where it was the three seconds of her just deadpanning at the camera. This year, she had the great response in her tweet that went viral again at the end of the LSU-Bama game, where she's just like, how does it feel, Bama? And she tweeted at them. Um, so she told kind of the backstory about <laughs> her latest... Worst. She told the, the the story about kind of like what went into everything, you know, like getting that video, the tweet. They actually shot the video that went into this most recent tweet uh, a week after last year's Bama LSU game. Said that LSU had reached out to her. They wanted to do something like, oh, it's great to be a Tiger or something like that. So she, she just had this sitting there and has been waiting to use this for the perfect moment. Her Pretty friends talked awesome. her into use it. It was really good. It got like 20,000 likes or something like that on Twitter. Um, she had uh, a special done on her on College Game Day, the, the meme special that they did, and she was involved in that as well, which was preceded by the Pat McAfee belly flop. Uh, it's legendary. Yeah, just a legend. Had some mis- mixed reactions from that from some people, though. I thought it was good fun. But anyway. who, who was upset about it? 
Eh, we'll save that for another time. We'll, we'll tell you off air about that one. Um, but anyways, yeah, so Kaylee Thomas, uh, somebody who last year when I talked to her, I think she had like 800 followers on Twitter. She's now over 11,000. Um, she gets recognized on campus all the time now. And good for her because she was on TV for three seconds and she has made herself a, a name and she's thinking about if she's going to put it in a LinkedIn profile, stuff like that. I mean, it's Ooh. it's gotten to that level. Internet Do you things. have a LinkedIn profile? I do have a LinkedIn profile. Connor, I'm I'm 90% confident my LinkedIn profile still says I work at Clear Channel in radio advertising since 2013. We're not connections. We're not we're not connections <laughs> there on you LinkedIn. Go. go follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, go follow us on all forms <laughs> of social media. From now on, from now on, that is that's how we close the show. Is go follow me on LinkedIn. Yeah, uh, check out all the latest on my my professional career. <laughs> uh, see if I have a a, jo- a work anniversary. Gosh, I hate those emails. Anyways, follow us on Twitter at the STS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Make sure that you are watching Facebook Live with Uncle Chris every Tuesday night after the playoff selection show and Saturday morning. Hopefully Saturday morning. If it's not Saturday morning, Uncle yeah. Chris is going to let you know. Um, but yeah, he's going to give you all of your great gambling advice. You got to get your bets in. You got a couple minutes to yeah. get your bets in right now. So we're, so we're going to hang up. Coach O, uh, Matt Luke, we. Did, are you still there? Did, did you leave? Coach O left. He, I mean, he left. He, he's got a lot. He's got a lot going on his plate today. I, I tell you what, I'm gonna have a lot on my plate today. I'm not going out to brunch at the church. Uh, it might mean too much. Talk to you guys this week. It might mean too much.